0: Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Baum. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects, and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host Claire Bown of Thinking Museum and this is episode 92. So I've got a guest for you today on the show. I'm really happy to be talking to Heather Thomas about her work as a museum and gallery educator. But before that, as always, if you'd like to support this show, please do so by treating me to a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash I'll put a link in the show notes and you can also help this podcast reach more people by posting about it on social media and by sharing, liking and commenting on my social media feeds too. Do recommend The Art Engager to all your friends too. Thank you for all your support. It really helps to keep the show growing and growing. So let me introduce my guest this week. So Heather Thomas is the head of learning and engagement at the Lightbox Museum and Gallery in Woking. Woking is in the UK. She's been there for the past 11 years working with and for communities. She has a specialism in working with people living with dementia and those who are socially isolated, alongside working with children and families to enjoy learning through play. Heather has a wealth of experience in heritage and the arts. She was previously a trustee of a disability arts centre and a women's centre. She's been an arts and education consultant and she's been a mentor to emerging and mid-career museum professionals. Now, in our chat today, Heather and I talk about the exciting work that The Lightbox does and how their art and well-being programme of creative and therapeutic workshops really provides opportunities for those that would otherwise not be able to access arts and heritage services. So their Art and Wellbeing programme provides free community workshops for those living with dementia and their caregivers, those affected by mental health issues, those in local care homes and hospices and the homeless too. And we talk in depth today about the open mind tours at the Lightbox. These are tours that are provided in conjunction with a local mental health charity and these are monthly tours of the current exhibitions at the museum. These programs allow participants to take notice, to connect with others and to learn something new at the same time. So Heather and I discussed how she creates an atmosphere of connection, how connection is much more important than content, as is flexibility and improvisation. We discuss how these tours are truly participant led, open conversations that take their cues directly from the participants, not from the facilitator. We talk about how art is for everyone, it's not about being right or wrong, it's subjective and based on personal discovery. Finally, we talk about what outcomes the programme has achieved and what the Lightbox plan to do in the future too. So I loved this chat with Heather, exploring some of the important work they've been doing at the Lightbox and I hope you do too. Here it is, enjoy. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the Art Engager podcast. Hello. So pleased you could be here with me today. So could you tell all our lovely listeners around the world where you are right now?
1: Yeah, so I am in Woking, which is in the leafy county of Surrey, just outside London. The air is okay outside the M25, I promise. (laughs) And it's not so sunny today, but uh, obviously looking forward to having a chat. Brilliant. So tell
0: everyone what you do
1: and where you do it. Yeah. So I am the head of learning and engagement at The Lightbox, which is in Woking. And uh, my role is predominantly to help people be creative, learn about history and heritage, their local heritage. And yeah, just enjoy looking at an art gallery and exploring creativity. So I got to know about
0: your work through an article that was in the Journal of the Museums Association in the UK, um, and I found out all about the Lightbox. So the Lightbox, I think, is a pretty special organisation. Could you tell us a little bit about the kind of work that the Lightbox does, what kind of an institution organisation it is?
1: Yeah, um, we're pretty new in terms of museums and galleries. We've only been open since 2007, which compared to a lot of organisations in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, we are pretty new (laughs) on the landscape. And it was originally born from an idea from the community, really. So we're always really focused on the community because they are the ones who helped us become who we are. They're the ones who wanted an art gallery in their area, wanted there to be local heritage for people to learn more about their area. And so work began in the late 90s to create a building and our building is actually a Marks Barfield architect designed building and in 2007 we opened to the public and since then it has been a lot of different activities for the community working with the community and consistently making sure that they feel that they are referenced and can use us as a service I suppose.
0: And it comprises an art gallery and this historical museum in, in one centre, is that right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so our Heritage Museum, which is Woking Story, is our permanent heritage collection. And we have many different objects from things to do with the Tudors, the railways, Victorian times... Kenneth Wood, who made the Kenwood Mixer. Up until present day things, I say present day, I'm going to feel very old, but Paul Weller and the Jam. (laughs) Paul Weller is from Woking. So again, we've got parts about that history as well. Yeah, we also have three different art gallery spaces, which change every four months or so. So we have our smallest gallery space, which does change actually quite frequently, which is open to community, open to people to hire that's a really po- important part of a, kind of our charity, is to be able to you know earn income. And then we have our two other gallery spaces. One is our largest, the main gallery, and our upper gallery space, which is sort of medium-sized. So we always have lots of different things on from, we've worked on exhibitions from David Hockney, Bridget Riley. We're just about to open an exhibition about Sophie Ryder, uh, who's a kind of artist working with sculpture. And yeah, we have done all sorts over the years. So yeah, from from some really well-known names to some people that, you know, people should know a bit more about maybe. Brilliant.
0: And there are, I think, reading about the work that the Lightbox does, I think there are values behind your work and Mm. especially the work you do in learning engagement. So could you perhaps explain some of the, the guiding principles or values behind what you do?
1: Yeah, I think art and well-being has always been high on our agenda. So again, locally, we had a local um, hospital previously called an asylum in the area. And that is, again, part of our local history museum. And so since we opened our doors in 2007, we've always worked with people who uh, maybe are living with mental health issues, who maybe are sort of isolated for any reason. So that's always been a really important part of what we do. The main thing that we do really well is being able to offer opportunities to people to be able to learn something new, whether that's creative or historic, and be able to help themselves to feel that they are contributing in whatever way to themselves or to other people valuable
0: insights there into
1: your work. And
0: I think what drew me as well to the work of The Lightbox are some of the projects you do. So um, you work a lot with the community, as you've already said, you do a lot of projects with the community. One of them is the Open Mind Project. And this immediately stood out to me. This podcast is all about engaging with art and the benefits of engaging with art. So can you tell me a little bit about that project why you started it and perhaps some of the aims behind Mm -hmm. it
1: yeah so again you know mental health work has always been really important to us since we opened part of our history gallery has a whole section called behind closed doors which is um, how people saw the mental health providing really uh, it was kind of hidden people didn't talk about it we have a lovely beautiful display that was created by people who were involved in the hospital before it closed in the 90s and so i think that's been a really important part of of you know the work we do open mind started in 2016 and again was we've done various projects previously with various groups But this was the first time we've done something on such a long-term scale, I guess, because it feels (laughs) like a long time now. And we originally started looking at kind of working with individuals, uh, but soon became apparent that actually that wasn't necessarily going to work for us. We're quite a small organization, but also uh, people who have got different mental health needs need different things from sessions. So we started working with our local mind organisation, which obviously they are a huge charity and you know hugely important um, across the country. And most recently that has turned into a company called Catalyst in our area. So we're still working with the same group, still working with the same people, but they are just sort of overseen by a different company now. And the Open Mind Project is... Again, all about them being able to come into us as a safe space for them to have a cup of tea, coffee, maybe a cake, if they want one, and and then give them more confidence, sort of foster that inclusion that they kind of need and want. They can chat to each other. They can chat to us. They come and have a look at the exhibitions, which means they learn more about art they can learn a bit more about the artists' lives. So we do like to talk about artists' lives and how they how they lived. They like to know the ins and outs, not things you can read on the label. Um, that's part of, the, you know, why we take them for tours around, I guess, because they could read anything on a label, but actually it's those little bits of information that just make it come alive a lot more. And they then also potentially can get engaged with artists. So recently we've had a local artist who's put on her exhibition, her first solo show at uh, the Lightbox, and they were able to chat to her about her practice, about how she works, about why she does it, uh, about how she got into it. And then that means that They can learn that actually it's not just about the big famous artists. It's also about local people being able to show what they can do.
0: So, when you work with Catalyst and they say, We have a group for you coming into the museum, how does it work? How many people would be in a group? How do you start up conversation? How do you make them feel that they're in this safe space that you called it? How do you? create that atmosphere for them to connect with you?
1: I think it's really important. We've got our cafe on the ground floor, which, as we all know, is is kind of the hub of a lot of organisations. Uh, they come in, They I meet them there, um, or my colleague does, and we have a chat to them while they're having a cup of tea or coffee, and again, if they want a snack. <laughs> and then, uh, so that kind of starts the session, really, because we're coming to them, we are you know talking to them maybe about what they've done since the last time we saw them how they've been they might want to talk to us about some things that they've been up to so it's very kind of friendly it's just catching up uh, as if it was someone that you'd just seen in the street really and then what we'll do is we will you know once everyone's finished their drinks uh take them up into the gallery space that we're going to look at so again every time it's something different because Generally, you know, we probably get about half of the group who come every time and then the other half might pop in and out. So it can be up to about 18 people. So quite a large group to be walking around some of our gallery spaces. But the nice thing about that is that, again, let's say some people come every time. So they're learning something different every time and some people come in. and, And the important part of that is that everyone feels safe and comfortable, even if they haven't been for a while. It doesn't matter. We might know some of their names, but you know we might not know everybody's name because if they're new, uh, as long as they know me and as long as they feel comfortable and know where to go if they don't feel comfortable, I think is really key to that. Our visitor experience team are very good at making everyone feel very comfortable as soon as they walk in the building. Our volunteers as well. We have a huge range of volunteers who are integral to how we work and they are very good at making people feel very comfortable very quickly so then we take them up into the gallery i might do a short introduction but it kind of depends on the show because sometimes there'll be so much to look at that you can just see them their eyes going you know darting off they just want to have a look around first to, to gauge their own interest and I could stand there and think, well, they'd definitely be interested in this. But actually, they might not be. And it is needs to be led by them more than it's led by me. And that's a really key part of what we do at The Lightbox, is making sure that all the projects that we do, all the programmes we deliver, are led by the people that are attending more than they're led by us. They are the ones that are in control of what they want to learn about, or they don't want to learn about, <laughs> potentially, sometimes. Yeah. And then it's more about having open discussions, maybe going around and talking to them about artworks they really like, more importantly, the artworks they don't like, because that's much more interesting sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> and do you think that
0: it's curiosity is very much a driving factor in these discussions because it sounds like they're they're quite personalized. they mm-hmm. uh, they can be quite free form mm-hmm. as well, and yeah. you can kind of go where people's interests are letting them take you, for example. Yeah. So
1: does that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think um, whenever I've talked to other people about how to run one of these sessions, I've just sort of said, you have to kind of be led by them. You can think, oh, I'm going to talk about this, this and this. And actually, you get through one thing of that and they take it in a totally different direction. So you have to be very prepared to think on your feet, to just go with what the people are leading you to go with and not... Be prescribed to talking about what you want to talk about. This is not a lecture. This is a discussion and an open conversation with the people that you're with. And there is also some people who are not as communicative. So it's finding ways to communicate with them that isn't asking them questions. It's, you know, movement. It's making sure that they can get a chance to see everything they want to and they don't feel that they are. Being asked too many questions or being poked for information, but it's more kind of about how they are wanting to learn from that experience rather than what you want or think that they should be maybe learning.
0: Yeah. And I think listening to what you say, you're giving them a sense of agency as well. You're giving them a sense that they can make choices here about what they go and look at, what they choose to engage with. What is it about the art that is actually helping them to engage with you and have these conversations what does the art do
1: that's a big question Claire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow uh I think for me it's art is so different and so expressive for everybody that looks at it people can look at the same artwork and see something completely different and think completely differently feel completely differently about something I could look at something and not like it because I don't like the colors or the shapes or the way it's painted say but someone else could look at that and say well I really like the color of the shape the way it's painted so one of the amazing things I think about art and how it can be so open for so many people is sometimes not overthinking it I think is a real key part of that uh, don't get me wrong, I love art and I love artists, but sometimes I think that people can think it's not for them because they're not able to critique it in the same way as maybe critic can. And that's okay. Art is not about being right or wrong. It is subjective and it's about how you feel about something. How many times have we looked at an artwork and felt something and then read the label and realized that the artist meant something completely different and gone, oh, I didn't feel that at all, I felt this. And actually, is that wrong? I would say not, but that is my job. (laughs) So I think it is really important to make people feel very comfortable and confident that actually they have just as much to say as the person writing the label, as the person writing that critic's opinion in the newspaper. And we shouldn't feel that one is wrong and the other isn't. It is more about being able to enjoy something. Just like when you're making art, isn't it? And shouldn't it be more about the process than the outcome? so again when you come to you know talking about art and looking at art it should be about the process maybe you stand in front of a painting for 20 minutes maybe you stand in front of it for two that's fine and it might be that you enjoy the one that you stood in front of for two more than actually the one you stood in for 20 or vice versa doesn't make either right or wrong
0: absolutely yeah I Totally agree with you. It's about that personal discovery as well. It's not just about what the curators say or the label says or what we've read in a book or what we were told at school. It can be about your personal reaction to it. And as Mm. you say, that can be completely different to what the label says or Mm. what somebody else might think as well. Mm. Um, I'm really interested in hearing um, what kind of outcomes you've had in terms of well-being or resilience, from people taking part in this program. You say people come back time after time, and I assume that must be having a positive effect.
1: Yeah, I think over the years, again, we've done various evaluation, like everyone does with these projects. And I think one of the really nice things that we found actually when the pandemic hit was that uh, the people that were coming in person couldn't because we were closed, but they still wanted to learn about artists and how they worked. So we were still able to send over that information, which is really exciting because actually you think to yourself, well, is it more about them being able to come or is it about them getting information about artists and learning? And I think it's a bit of both. Obviously, they would have much preferred to be able to come in person, but they couldn't. <laughs> so it was that ability to still learn through some of the things that we could share. And we've had people come and go over the time. We've had a lady who's been coming since we first started. She comes with a support worker and she doesn't have much in communication. So again, it can be quite difficult to work out what she's liking, what she's not liking. Um, She doesn't make eye contact, so you are, you know, you're kind of working with a different set of ideas, really, of how to help her engage with the art on display. Over the years, I've learned that she loves flowers, loves nature. Anything with flowers and nature in, I know that she's going to love. Um, But that is just by getting to know people. And again, that is one of the big driving factors of, I think, any learning and engagement department in any museum and gallery across the world is getting to know people and keeping that engagement with them. Um, But I also know that she will linger in front of some things that she likes whereas she won't if she doesn't like it. So I think it is a really important part of working with people is getting to know personalities and the way that they do things. It
0: strikes me as you're talking, and from some of the things you said earlier on as well, that a lot of your work is about observation, that you're really having to pay careful attention to people and notice things about them, how they are behaving in the gallery, how... Are they reacting to certain artworks, their preferences, picking up on body language, all those sorts of things?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of evaluation we do around that as well. A lot of our programmes can't use questionnaires in the same way because people don't have English as first language or they struggle with words or they struggle with, you know, putting together a sentence on paper. So you have to do a lot of observational things. There's an arts observational scale, for example, for just that reason. So when you get to know personalities and people, because again, it is an art of being able to get to know people and anyone who works in this field would say exactly the same thing that you have to build rapport and build it very quickly with people because people like people. People don't trust in necessarily a big organisation, but they might trust in the people who work for it. So that is a real important part of working with people and engaging them in something. If they like you, they are going to be more likely to want to listen to you.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. I'm always talking about connection over content. I think mm. too often in museums and galleries, we receive training on the content. We talk about the content all the time, but it's about the connections we make, the connections we make with people. And it's it's about people rather than audiences or visitors, which... I think is a generic term. It's not talking about the people that we're actually dealing with and that we mm. want to connect with. So, I applaud you for keeping that as a as a priority in your work. Um, what's next for you? So many exciting projects that you've already done. Too many for us to talk about in yeah. <laughs> today's episode. But yeah, what's next?
1: We've built a really strong track record of working on, as say, our art and well-being programme, which includes Open Mind, which includes our art in mind, which includes working with homeless people, people socially isolated. And I think one of the really lovely things about the journal article was it actually showed how much we are doing, which is great. And... I think we have a a tendency to especially in learning engagement positions thinking that oh well everyone's doing it but actually it's been quite nice to be at the forefront of that we're really lucky that we have all these different exhibitions and displays we also get to work with the ingram collection and they're really involved in wanting us to use it for projects which is great because that's a really amazing opportunity to be able to have the artworks in the room potentially when we're doing projects and that means that we can work with so many more people we've always said that we work with under fives right through to older people and everyone in between obviously and we want to work with more organizations we want to you know continue funding ourselves we're a charity at the end of the day and we are just about to become an NPO which is really exciting from the Arts Council and we want to continue being the people that we can be and pushing forward rather than just sitting still you know making sure that we're always enabling people to live healthy happy lives and learning something and being creative along the way I think is what we do and what we will continue to do
0: fantastic well long may you continue the wonderful work that you're doing can you just share with listeners how they can find out more about you how they can reach out to you I'll put a link to the article that we've mentioned and any websites in the show notes as well
1: yeah so our website is thelightbox.org.uk and on there is all the information about our art and well-being programs and all the other programs we deliver as well We're on social media where we talk about all the other projects that we do, as well as all the other things that the organisation does. I think we've got articles coming out in the near future, so always keep an eye on those as well.
0: We will do. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Cheers, Heather. Thank you. So a huge thank you to Heather for being on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed our chat. Go to the show notes to find out more about Heather and the Lightbox and all the wonderful projects that they are involved in in their community. This really is an example of an organisation that's passionate about providing art for everyone because it believes that art has the power to make you feel good. And before you go, if you want to get more slow looking into your life and make it a regular practice, Join us in the Slow Looking Club. We're nearly a year old. We have regular themes and regular get-togethers. I've put a link in the show notes so that you can come and join us. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.